charity or anything that that we need that we're using our faith for, you know, to understand in context how that all applies to our life. And so I'm going to really address that tonight because we're going to wrap up this series we've been doing on what time is it uh, with this idea about uh, times and seasons. So if you're keeping notes, you want to write those two things down, times and season, times and season. And um, we're going to look at a passage in Ecclesiastes I know you're familiar with, um, and uh, it's a real... It's one that's used quite a bit. Uh, There's a song that's written about this, and basically it says this in verse 1 of chapter 3 of Ecclesiastes, and you don't have to try to find it. It's all right. I'll read it to you, and you'll know it. To everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. So there's two things talked about there. To everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven under heaven. And in this book of Ecclesiastes, when Solomon is writing, 27 times he will use this phrase, time under heaven. Time is something that is, we're familiar with because it's something that is under heaven. It is not something that is over heaven. And I want you just to think about that for a minute. Time is something that is under heaven. Time is something that is particular to us because we live in a time element. And actually the word time comes from a word, the, the word that we use for time comes from the, the Latin and it comes from the word tide. And tide is a representation of the, you know, the coming in and the going out of the, the waves. And so that's where we get our, our thinking about, about time. You know, it's interesting, if, as, and especially when you talk about, uh, especially prophecy teachers, a lot of times will talk about time. They'll try to bring prophetic things into our time, and it's, it's really something because when you talk about Israel, you have to remember they were on a different time schedule than we are. You and I live by what's called the Gregorian calendar, which is, you know, that's January, February, March, April, May. Um, they did not live by that kind of a calendar. They didn't live by the Jews, didn't even Israel when they write about God and stuff, they're not writing about a actual 31-day month like we might deal with or a 30-day. They're cycled around every 28 days. They went on a lunar cycle. You and I are on a solar cycle. I don't know if you knew that. Maybe you did. But theirs was completely different. Their seasons were all geared around their, their, their times and months were all geared around festivals and holidays and things that they did. And so it, it was on a completely different wavelength than what we might be familiar with right now. And I think it's really funny because, you know, we tend to think that the way that we do things is the way that everybody did everything, and that isn't the way everybody did everything. Things weren't always like that. And so the, the, when we talk about time, we're talking about something that is incremental, and it actually is something that can be measured. Time is a measurable uh, commodity. And it is time also is something that is under the sun. God is not measured in time. You can't measure God's kingdom in time, what he is, who he is, because he's not under the sun, he's over the sun. Do you get it? So he's out there. You know, Einstein kind of dipped into this a little bit with the theory of relativity, and that, that's why I told you I was going to make you think a little bit about this tonight. You know, Einstein, he... And, and, and it's really powerful when he wrote about this, the theory of relativity, he was talking about that there is a point of reference, but the further that you get from the point of reference, the faster that things are happening 
the slower things are happening out there, the faster they're happening in here. And so, you know, that's why if you ever watched any of these uh, science fiction movies, you know, about time travel, you know, if they're going to go light years away, but they go away, while they're away, what seems like a short period of time, everybody's dead on earth that they knew because they, they're like, well, I, wasn't, I was only gone a short period of time, but see, time goes quicker. That's why the Bible teaches us that in the book of Peter, and you know, you talk about something that was way ahead of its time, no pun intended, uh, was when Peter, when God spoke to Peter and said that a thousand years is but a day in the sight of the Lord. You see, God is in a totally different atmosphere. God's kingdom, the spiritual realm, is in a totally different, it's not limited. You and I are limited by this atmosphere of time that we are in. 27 times when he writes about this in Ecclesiastes, he writes about how that it's under, it's under the sun. It's all under the sun. And it's interesting, you know, the, the, when you read this book of Ecclesiastes, and how many of you have ever read Ecclesiastes? Just to, you know, Ecclesiastes is not the most positive book to read. And the reason is, is because Solomon's writing it towards the end of his, the end of his lifespan. And basically Solomon, you know, this guy, he had everything. I mean, they had piles of silver and piles of gold. He had, I, I forget, a thousand wives. I don't know why. Uh, he had a thousand wives. I mean, he just had, uh, I mean, this guy just, he had everything that anybody could ever want. He had all the horses. He had all the, you know, the chariots. He had victory. He had a relationship with God. And, you know, he kind of soured on all of it because he got away from it. And then when it came down to him, basically when you read Ecclesiastes, the way Solomon writes about it, and this is kind of, this is really negative, but he basically says, you live, you earn money, you die, it goes to somebody else. That's a very narrow way to look at life, wouldn't you say? You live, you earn money, you die, and your kids get to live. You don't, and what he comes back to is he says, so enjoy the time that you're in. You, you know, you need to learn to enjoy where you're at right now. Enjoy the life. He, he talks about these are the things that we need to do. But really what you see, and this is kind of a hidden thing that you, we wouldn't, unless you really dig into the Hebrew scriptures about this, is that Solomon never refers to God in the book of Ecclesiastes as Yahweh or Jehovah, never does. You know, Yahweh is the covenant name of God. It's how God revealed. You know, when he said to, when he said to Abraham, I am, he was, or to, uh, excuse me, when he said to Moses, I am, that I am, he was saying, I am Yahweh, which means I am whatever I, you need me to be in covenant with you. And so he is Jehovah Jireh. He's the Lord that fosters us. He is Jehovah Mekedesh. He is Jehovah Sid to me, the Lord our righteousness. It's a, the covenant name. Yahweh is the covenant name of God. When Solomon writes this book of Ecclesiastes, he's calling God Elohim. And when he's referring to him as Elohim is basically the generic. It's like how we in our society today, the difference between saying, I believe in God, which could be anything, right? Or I believe in Jesus Christ, which narrows it down. Does that make sense? So what he's basically saying in the end that his relationship with his God is so out there now that he just sees this he's in basically and he says in 
several times in the book of Ecclesiastes, all is vanity. It's all empty. Everything is empty. Everything is worthless. Nothing is. And here's a guy that had everything, you know, that, that he's talking and he's saying it's all worthless. He's eaten the best foods. He's had the, the, the best life. I mean, that we, what we might in our society today say is really awesome. And he says it's all emptiness. It's, there's no value to it. To end your life thinking that you gain, you die, and someone else gets what you did is really a meaningless life has no real value to it, does it? It's really just you and I, if we're living that way and we're thinking that way, we have no real joy to our life. And, uh, you, you know, nothing wrong with leaving stuff for our families and our kids, and I, I'm all for that and am doing that. But the thing is, is that we realize that life is more than that, more than just accumulating wealth and passing it on. So time is something that is under the sun. It's under the clouds. It's in this atmosphere that you and I live in. Now, if you found Ecclesiastes and you want to just look down a little bit, there's a verse there I want to point out to you about when God made us, how, something that he really did in our, that he did for us. And he put this in all of us. See, this is, a, this is an important thing for us to recognize this passage in verse 11 because he said, he has made everything beautiful in its time and also he has put eternity in their hearts or in our hearts except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. And I think that's really interesting the way that he the way that he laid that out. He says, "Listen, God has put eternity into your heart. God has put eternity within you and that uh, that that's not to be limited by this natural environment that we live in, the time that's here. Because God does not move in time, God moves in seasons." And we'll look at what that means here in a minute. Well, season's a totally different word, all right? Season is something that actually for the Hebrews would refer to harvest. And season is not a predictable thing. Now, you say, well, I, well, they say that this date is when fall starts and this day is when winter. That's all tied to time. That is not really the season because, hey, we live in Michigan. Could we actually have a day they said this is the first day of winter and it's 60 degrees here. Or could we have Halloween with snow? Yeah, so those things, that doesn't mean that, you see, if you were to say no, look, and you, if you said to the snow, hey, it's Halloween, it's not winter yet, it's not Christmas or Thanksgiving, you don't belong, doesn't matter because seasons happen when they happen. Our responsibility is to discern the season that we are in, the, the season that we are facing to see the, the signs of that season. And I wanted to read this passage to you out of the expanded translation because uh, he, really, he really brings this out a lot better. Listen to this verse 11. God has given them, people, a desire to know the future. He has placed eternity and awareness of time or ignorance in their hearts. He does everything just right and on time and makes everything appropriate and beautiful in its time. But people can never completely understand what he's doing, discover and find the work that God does from beginning to end. Humans cannot discern the right time because we become focused on the time. But yet God puts in all of our hearts eternity. Why did he do that? Because that's his spirit that he has put in us. We're created from his spirit. He breathed into us eternity. So you have an, 
Every, every man, every woman has this eternity idea within them. Now, some people have educated themselves out of believing that that's important, but you didn't because you're here tonight. You believe you have an eternal purpose. You have a, a purpose that is tied into God's purpose. Okay? So what happens, though, is, is that we become bound up in this time instead of released or free in God's time, which is seasons. Okay? Now, does that mean that God doesn't move in our time? Absolutely he does. But it happens in season. It doesn't happen in time. There's two words in the Bible that are used for this, and, and uh, I don't want to throw a lot of Hebrew words at you tonight, but, but uh, chronos, which is chronology, is, is time, is the clicking of the clock, is measurable time. But kairos is a word that is used about seasons in the Scripture, and sometimes it's used for the word time. But kairos is a word that's used, and it means that it's, an, it's a seasonal environment. Seasons are things that happen when they happen. You know, the, the, they're, tied to, they're, they're tied to things changing. Um, you know, the farmer, they can prepare for harvest, but they don't know when harvest exactly is going to be. They don't. They can plant seed, right? but they don't even know when they're going to really get to plant. There's a lot of conditions that have to happen in this time for them to be able to plant seed. So sometimes, you know, we'll see that they're not getting their seed in the ground at the same time every year because the season, even though it's supposed to be the season for planting, they can't plant. Then they'll get the seed in the ground eventually, and then it becomes the time for harvest. And you can't really predict when that will be. You can't put on your calendar, right? Today, on this day in October or September, we are going to start harvesting crops. You don't know if the crops will be ready. So what is the farmer constantly doing to, to understand the seasons? He is observing what's happening, and he is preparing for the time to reap or the time to sow. So they are observing and they're watching, but they realize that it's not the right time. It hasn't happened yet. Now, let's take that into the context of our faith, okay? You and I, we tend to think of God moving in our lives in time. And so we try to, with our faith, set predictable times that this needs to happen in. I need a miracle. And, and you know that you're not, you know, you know that you're doing this because you're getting discouraged because you're not seeing your miracle. Because that is a definite indicator in our life when we're discouraged that we are putting our hope in time and not in seasons when God moves. You know, I'm standing in faith and I'm believing God and things. You know, Abraham, that's exactly what Abraham did. Abraham for 25 years. God said, this is going to happen. You know, you're going to have a child. And so what did Abraham do? He put it into the context of the time that he understood. And so here he is for 25 years. He's trying to figure out, well, let me see if I can't help the timing of this. So what did he do? What kinds of things did Abraham do to, to, to try to help the timing of what was happening? 
he started making his own plans. And so he said, well, maybe God wants me to have a child through Hagar. That sounds like that could be, that could, could make it, that didn't work out. And he tried some other, and that didn't work out. And then he got to the place in his life where he stopped. He really, even though he was looking, he wasn't looking. And he was kind of like, he laughed at God one time and he got frustrated with God and he got frustrated with Sarah. And then eventually, 25 years later, in God's seat, see, if, if, if you and I, if we look at God and we go, no, no, now wait a minute, Pastor. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, and I'm telling you, it's got to happen now. Well, it did happen now. It just didn't happen in the right time that you wanted it to happen. It's like asking us, our, is this too deep? Okay, I know it's I know it's Thursday night, and you know you were at work all day, and you're like, oh man, why you got to get so deep, Pastor? I'm, I, I need I need healing in my body. All right, now watch this. So I say, okay, God, uh, I believe I went up and Chuck laid his hands on me, or Karen laid hands on me. That's what your scripture says, and it says that that um, they'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Would you agree that if they say they shall recover, that's a promise? Okay. It didn't say they might recover. It says they shall recover. Okay. So, I mean, that's, that's pretty clear to me. Now, so you come up and you get hands laid on you and we say, and, and they shall recover or we anoint with oil. The prayer of faith will raise them up in according to the book of James and, and uh, you know, you'll be made well. Now, what happens for us and what we, what, 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 can become difficult for us is that we're thinking that, okay, I got prayed for, so where's my healing? Where is it? Because I don't feel any better. I don't feel any different. And I'm not talking about mind control here. I'm just talking to you, think about this for a minute. Where is my miracle? Well, let's ask the question. When did Jesus Christ provide your healing? Was it the moment you asked or was there something prior to it that happened that he provided? When did he write these promises? When did he determine that these promises were true for you? Now, we're talking thousands of years ago that he already determined. Now, you want to blow your time frame. There it goes right there because now we're looking at that 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ had already decided to heal you. All you did was step into his time frame, into his, into his plan, and did what he said to do. Now, what we end up doing is, is that we walk away from the altar going, well, it didn't happen, maybe next time. See, you put it right back on timing. And what happened, why this is such a, why this is such a, 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 a difficult thing for us is because we are used to change and we want things to happen in time but God has already determined healing for you so you came you got hands laid on you and according to God's above watch now above the sun your heaven is your healing has already been given but below the sun it hasn't shown up yet Say, well, Pastor, now wait a minute. Now that just, I don't know. I decided, I don't know if I can, 
violence in it. Now, let me, let me tell you an example in the scripture, all right? Um, there's a guy, his name was Daniel. And Daniel had a vision, and he had asked God, what does this vision mean? And he didn't get an answer. And so he was like, well, I'm, I'm not getting an answer, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray, and I'm going to fast for 21 days. We, we gear our beginning of the year off that. And so for 21 days, Daniel fasts and prays. 21 days later, an angel shows up. And the angel says to him, now watch this, Daniel, the first day that you prayed, I came, I was on my way to bring this to you. So when did God answer? Day one. When did the answer get to Daniel? 21 days later. What if Daniel would have just gone, well, it doesn't work. I fasted a week. It's like, what the heck is happening? I read the passages. I spoke the word. I went up to the prayer line. I gave in the offering. I did, and nothing has changed. So what if we, all of a sudden, our attitude becomes that it's not working? Well, then what did we just do? We just unburied what we were believing for. We just threw it out. We went from believing to not believing. We went to doubt. That's exactly what that, it's not working. It's not happening. And, you know, your adversary, the devil, knows all kinds of ways to trick you into this because, you know, that, well, maybe you've got sin in your life or maybe you're not good enough or maybe all kinds of stuff to try to sidetrack you here. But I want you to know that when you, when you ask God, God answers right then. He isn't thinking about it. Well, let me think about whether I want to hear you. He already decided that. See how that blows the whole time element out of the water? It, we are in the season of healing. We have been. You know, people say, well, there's a wave of healing. We, we've been in a season of healing since Jesus Christ, Matthew 8, 17, bore our sicknesses and carried away our diseases. You say, well, why do people still get? I don't know why people get sick. And I don't know why Christian, good Christian people die from sickness. But, I, but look, I can't let all of that influence what I know from the Scripture that God has provided healing through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. But just like giving, I know that God, your harvest is reaped in seasons. It is not reaped in moments, time. Okay? I, I want to show a couple of things to you here. Let me, let me take you to these. Um, all right. I want you to go to the book of... Um, Galatians or Second Corinthians, or no? I want you to go to Galatians six nine. Do that for me, please. Galatians six nine. Thank you. Are you guys getting anything out of this? You're looking at me funny. I just can't tell if I'm just like going too deep here. Now you get in a life group. You can talk about this. That's that's sweet, right? Soak it in, man. Let it soak in. All right, now watch this. This is really awesome. Verse 9. And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Right? So what did he just tell us? He, it doesn't. See, we read this and we think about seasons like we think about winter and fall and, you know, a time. So we're thinking. We can read this and we go, and let us not grow weary while doing good. And he's talking about giving, about sowing. 
for in due time we would come. In the, in, at the right time, I've heard people say that, at the right time we'll reap if we don't give up. So don't give up. But it doesn't say at the right time. It says at the right season, at the right season. Now, God has placed this in your heart. This is in you to realize that God moves in seasons. So we go back to now, what does the farmer do to know it's the right season? She watches or she watches. They just watch. They don't go out and go, you know, they, you know, I, I know the guy with the, they got all kinds of measurement things they do around here now with like sugar beets. You know, they'll go out, pull a beet. They check the sugar content, the water content, you know, to see if it's ready to be harvested. Now, when the farmer goes out and he pulls a beet up to check it to see if his harvest is ready to come in, and he pulls that one beet up and he does the test on it, and he goes, he looks at the beet and it's not harvest time yet. The beet is not ready to be harvested or beets are not ready. He doesn't throw the beet down and go, well, that didn't work. goes out into the cornfield and he's beginning to think about is it time to cut the corn and he looks at the stalk and he looks at the ear and the corn and the corn you know here in Michigan we don't reap that corn until it's hanging unless you're going to make uh, silage out of it I mean you know when when it really turns ready to be able to be harvested that corn is like almost ready to fall off of the stalk because it's dried out and it's just hanging there so the farmer, when he goes out there and he goes, well, it's not hanging yet. I don't know. Apparently, none of this is working the way it's supposed to. No, he just goes, it's not the right time. It's not the right time because it's not the right season to harvest. But when it's time, when he knows it's time. So what does he do? He watches. He keeps looking. He keeps waiting. And then when it's the right moment, he's ready. And he goes in and takes his crop out. You know, this is the, 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 one of the great passages in um, Luke. talks about this, about the prodigal son. You know, if you have family that's away from God, here the son, he runs off, wastes his life, wrecking his life, just basically wrecking his life, wrecking his heritage, wrecking everything. And he starts to come home. Who's the first one to see him? The father. Why? Because the father's watching. See, your faith has to be watching. If your faith isn't watching, then we're not, if your faith isn't watching, then it's not going to be ready. It's not going to sense when it's the right moment to step into the harvest. That day he said, your son, my son who was dead is now alive. And, I mean, he realized he reaped the harvest that day. I know he was praying for that boy all the time. That was his son. He loves his son. He doesn't want his son, you know, to waste away out there. So he's watching. Now, look, to put this into context in your life, what are you standing in faith and believing for right now? Your marriage, kids, money, all of the above, job, whatever, your health. And you stand there and you're standing in faith. Don't get into a, uh, you know, don't get into a desperation moment where you're just like, well, we'll maybe it's not going to happen. We'll see if it's going to happen. You should keep watching. 
You should keep observing. You should keep looking. You should keep believing. You should keep speaking. You know, if you're believing for healing, that's why we tell people to move a little bit. We had a Sunday, um, Claudia May in the back, uh, Chuck had said something about, you know, move if you, we had this thing was going on in the service and Chuck had said, move if you, you know, if you haven't been able to move something. And she said she, she was, she had this pain and she was dealing with, and she just started to move her head and bang, something cracked, popped, and she got instantly healed right there on the spot. What if she'd have just stood there and said, no, I'm not moving. That's just stupid. I did that last week. See, she missed it. She would have missed her opportunity. So you have to always be observing, always be ready, keep looking, keep believing. See, that tells you that your faith is active. If you're watching, your faith is working. Now, if you're watching and you're being moved by what you're seeing, then your faith is not working. But if you're watching and you're standing by the word and your faith is working, you're believing, you're seeing, you're going to see all kinds of things happen. So when we look at this passage on seasons, we see that God moves in these different seasons. Corinthians 6.2 says this, In a favorable time I listened to you, and a day of salvation I helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time, the favorable season, and now is the favorable or the day of salvation, talking about time. So when we talk about time, there are seasons and there are times. I'm going to give you Psalm 1.3 here to look at. Psalm chapter 1, verse 3. This is a great passage uh, talking about the tree that will not be moved. And in verse 3, he said this, um, that the man who delights in the law of the Lord, he'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in its, its season, okay? In the season that when, it's, when it's the right season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Let me say it like this, and I think you'll get this. We get frustrated with God because we're caught up in time. God is not frustrated with time because he's caught up in eternity. God isn't sitting in heaven going, man, I got, I got to hurry up and do something. God looks at that there are interventions, there are seasons that things will begin to happen in your life. And if you're, not, if you're not watching and you're not ready for them, if you're not praying, if you're not believing, that's why the disciples talked about the coming of the Lord. They talked about it way back then as though it was happening right now. What were they doing? They realized that even though it wasn't happening in the time that they wanted it to, that it was going to happen in the season that Jesus established that it's going to happen. You know, we're in a, we're in a time, and I don't, I don't have time to dig into all of this tonight, but if you look at in Scripture, when it talks about Jesus coming in Isaiah, it says that it is the great and dreadful day of the Lord, okay? Great and dreadful, or terrible, it says. Now, in the New Testament, when Jesus quoted the same passage in, out of Isaiah, he did not say the great and dreadful day. He said the great day of the Lord, the great day of the Lord. The reason that he did that is because we are in the season between the great and the dreadful. We're not under God's judgment. We're under God's grace. In that period of grace, we are under the great day of the Lord. This is the opportunity. This is the great day 
God. This is the dispensation of grace that has been given to the to the church and to the world. So you and I are living in that season right now. It's not a time. You can't put a date on it and say it started here and it finishes here. It's a season. And we're living in that right now. And it will change eventually. But when it does change, then it will be the terrible day of the Lord and that dispensation or that time frame will change. So we see that there are different kinds of things that take place. There are different seasons. You'll be like a tree. You'll produce fruit in your season. I love what it says in the book of Habakkuk in chapter 2 and verses 2 through 3. It says, write the vision that he that reads it can run with it. But listen to this, because it's for an appointed time. It's not necessarily today. It's not necessarily tomorrow. But it will, he says, it shall come to pass. So do we throw the vision away because it didn't happen today or it didn't happen tomorrow? you got a dream from God. You have ideas about where you see your family, your finances, your health. You have all this dream. And, and you're going to get to that place as long as you keep pursuing it. But if you give in and you say, well, I just it's not happening. It's not going to happen. I needed it to happen tomorrow, not, you know. We're amazing with time. I mean, I can't believe that people are already calming down this Friday. This is before Christmas. Right? You know, I don't know if you're like me, but the older we get, it seems like time just keeps, you know, it just comes flying by. I'm like, wait a minute, I just thought it was the 4th of July. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, time begins to zip by. I tell some of the young people with their kids, you know, enjoy them. Don't, look, they're going to grow up fast enough. Just enjoy every, you know, because it's always like the next thing that we can get them to do, right? Oh, they poo-pooed, and then now we got them to cuckoo. Now we want them to, you know, crawl, and then we want them to roll over, excuse me, and then we want them to crawl, and then we want them to walk, and then after they start walking, Huh? We want them potty trained, right? And then we want them to learn how to eat on their own, and then we want them to be able to do this, and we want to, so it's always the next thing. We're trying to move them forward to the next thing and the next thing, and then they get to be teenagers, and we start thinking, you know, it's kind of cool when how it was. We're done playing with Barbies at five years old, you know, instead of asking to keep pushing them forward, pushing them forward, pushing them forward. Enjoy the season that you're in right now. Amen. It's not always, but we as, as humanity, even though we have eternity in our heart, we still try to rush things forward. We keep trying to move forward. Amen. I want to close with a story tonight. I think it just, just brings this out in such perfect uh, beauty. You know, that vision you've got is for an appointed time. It's going to come to pass. That miracle you're believing for, don't give up. You'll reap in due season. It's going to happen. It's going to happen in a due time, a due season. But you can't cast away your confidence. You can't give up on that. The The story is told, um, it's a true story about bamboo. I don't know if you know about this, but when you plant a bamboo pod for five years, all you will get out of that bamboo pod is a seed. That's all that will be there. But if you don't water it and nurture it for that five years, it will die. So you got to keep water. You know, bamboo has a, needs a lot of water, and so you, you have to keep. But for five years, you'll look at that bamboo, and it's done. No, it looks like it's done nothing, just a shoot of green sticking out of a little pod that you planted. 
and you watch it and you watch it and you look at it every day and it's not doing, it looks like it's not doing anything. But after a period of time, after five years, now listen to this, within 90 days it'll grow 90 feet. Within 90 days it'll grow 90 feet. Now I just want you to think about that. That's a foot a day. But for five years it did nothing except to shrink. Now, when did it start growing? In the beginning. It just became the due season for it to take off. See, in that five-year period, what happens is, and what you don't see happening is, because we look at the outside, is is that everything is growing downward. Because it takes an, an enormous root system for something to grow 90 feet tall. If it were to grow to 90 feet tall within the 90 days of you planting it, it would fall over and die. But because it's digging its root system deep into the ground and and it's it's becoming intertwined and all the things that it's doing, you don't see any of that happening because all you see is what's happening on the surface. That's like you and I only seeing what's happening under the surface. But there's a lot more going on because eternity is in that bucket. You're becoming rooted and grounded you say, well, I'm belie- Pastor, I, I'm believing God for it. I need healing. I really do. I've got some major physical issues. This is the time right now that you're digging that root system deep into his word. You're wrapping your life around the rock of ages, and you're saying, Lord, I'm holding on to you. I trust your word. I believe in you because then the season's going to come. It's going to open up, and it'll happen. It'll be the due time. And when that due time happens, all of a sudden, there you go. You got the root system to keep it. I've watched people. I've, I, I, I have watched people through the years that they received miracles in their body and lost them within a month. I mean, flat out major miracles. I watched a little girl here at our altar one time who had had a major uh, tear in her shoulder. I mean, Jerry and Marilyn Liddell prayed for her, and I mean, she miraculously got healed and immediately was healed with power because they they operate in the gift of miracles and healing. And so she's healed immediately. She's running back and forth. She's crying. She's like, I'm healed. She's moving her arm and her shoulder. But about 30, 40 minutes later, she started going, oh, I don't know if that, maybe I did, maybe maybe it didn't complete, maybe it didn't heal, and it was gone. When you don't have the root system to sustain the miracle that you need, you'll fall back to your old habits. You know this. You, you can go on a diet. Everybody can diet for a day, right? Hey, we can all go on an exercise program for a week, right? You know, every gym is counting on you only going to their gym for one week, they, but they're going to charge you for a year. I just love my gut's gut. You know, you go buy the Gut Buster 3000 or the Ab Blaster or you go buy whatever, you're going to spend a major. You know how much exercise equipment gets bought every week and then it, within two weeks it just sits there and does nothing? Oh, so much of it. Because what happens is, is that you don't have the, you're not developing the root system to sustain it. You have to build in, you have to realize that it takes an enormous amount of commitment and time to get yourself into that place where you're using it on a consistent basis. Anybody can go out and buy something. 
but not everybody can go out and use those gifts. Inside of you are gifts and abilities that God has given to you. Eternity is in your heart. You realize it's the long haul. It's a, mar- a marriage. I tell folks, look, you'll never have a great marriage unless you, you're married for 10 years, and that's if you work at it. I tell every couple I meet, you can't. You, you won't, and you've got to work at it. I mean, you've got to really work at it. You've got to be so mad at each other, and you're still working it out in that 10-year period. And then after 10 years, things will get a lot, will get a lot better. They'll get better. They'll get better. You'll still have the arguments, but it won't be as nasty as it was during the first 10 years. But it takes time to make a good marriage. You know, look at people that have great marriages, and I know some people say, oh, no, we got married. We had a great marriage from the beginning. No problems. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Well, there's a place for love. So uh, it takes time to build a good house. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, it's all great, right. So you have to work at it. How about your financial life? You know, there will be people that will try to trick you into quick ways to make money. And you want to know what? There is no quick way to make money. The Bible teaches us that the way that you make money, you you become wealthy, is gathering here and gathering there a little at a time. See, that's eternity. That's not in a moment. Well, I'm just I'm going to keep playing the lottery till I win the big money. Well, see, the problem is, is you don't have the root system to sustain a million dollars. So you'll be back to where you were. You'll just have a lot more stuff to get rid of. No, it's the truth. I, I knew one person, they went through all that, and they had a, they won the lottery, and I mean, it was awesome. They were buying houses. They had like three or four houses in Alma, and they had three or four cabins up north, and they kept spending, 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 buying, buying, buying. And then the next thing is the taxes all started coming due. Oh, wait a minute. We weren't counting on taxes for eight properties. Well, we can do that this year, and we can do that, and we can do that next year. And then when the third installment has been made and there's no more installment payments, how are you going to pay for that? You know what you do? You start selling your excess equipment. See, you don't need eight properties. Truly, well, I don't want to. I don't want to tax you because you, you really understand wealth. If you want a million dollars, nobody should know it, and your lifestyle shouldn't change. It, it shouldn't. It just you know, people that are very wealthy, they don't go out and buy brand new cars. They go buy used cars. They just buy you know because what's the depreciation on a car off the lot? Anybody know? Twenty percent. Okay, so in two years, what's it down to? Well, you're going to be down to fifty percent. So why not buy a two-year-old two-year-old vehicle? Looks pretty nice, right? I mean, it'll be great. Get fifty percent of the cost of what it was, brand new. I drove brand new vehicles. They're awesome. They smell great. But just go buy you some new cars now instead of the old car. Okay, you don't have to go have a brand new car. But, you know, it's all those kinds of things. You gather here, you gather there. Sharon and I get it. Man, we're, we're paying off debt like crazy. We paid off so much debt that we were actually able to buy a bigger, a, a bigger property than what we had before. 
to, to, to reach our next level. It didn't happen overnight. There were, we couldn't eat out. We couldn't, there was all kinds of things we couldn't do. But we weren't like sitting there going, oh, we're so deprived because we got a dream. We, wanted, we started cutting up credit cards. We started paying with cash. We started limiting ourselves. We started going, we're going to get out of debt. We're going to pay this off. We're going to be able to do all this. We're going to do all this. And that's the only way that we would be able to do what we do. It's the only way. I mean, it just wouldn't have happened. Then other things start happening to help us be able to do it. But, but, but you have to realize that doesn't happen in a time that all of a sudden it's all set. I mean, we'd all love a million bucks and pay all our debts off. Unfortunately, for most people, they wouldn't pay their debts off with a million bucks. They'd just build another house. Why? Because we don't have the root system. You got that five-year period, the roots are going down inside your heart, in your heart, wrapping around the rock of ages, learning what his word says, learning how God moves, developing our relationship with him, and then the due season starts again. Amen. Stand up with me, please. Father, I thank you tonight that there's a due season. God, all of us know there's a due season for us. Father, I, I know what discouragement feels like. I know, Lord God, what it's like to look at a circumstance in my life and say, it, it's not working. And to get frustrated and anxious and, and uh, discouraged about it. But I also know, Lord God, that what your word says is true. And there is a time for everything under the sun. And that all things will happen in due season. That, Lord, your word is going to come to pass. So first of all, we just start tonight, Lord God, by saying I'm sorry for all the times I griped and complained at you, God, because you didn't move in my time. And then second of all, God, I just want to say tonight and on behalf of all of us that, Lord, we're grateful that you're going to move in due season. So, Lord, we put our mind on eternity and, Lord, not on what is temporal, temporary. All things, says the Lord, are subject to change. All things, temporal, are subject to change. All things eternal are at stake. So, Lord God, I thank you that healing has been established, prosperity has been established. Lord, that your vision for us, that even though we may not be seeing that, there is an appointed time, there is a, a moment, Lord God, when that thing will happen, it will come to pass. And so, Lord, we choose to look at the vision you have for us, that eternal thing, Lord God. And, Lord, we just believe in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that all of that shall come to pass. Healing is ours today because you have procured it. Prosperity is ours today. A debt-free life is ours today because you, Lord God, have established that. Now, we will do our part to watch, to be disciplined, and do the things that it takes, Lord God, to live out that eternal plan you have for us. And all God's people in agreement said, Amen. God bless you. Have a great evening.